to Beyond the Sermon. I am Pastor Dave Rudat. I am joined with Pastor Will Harley from St. John and Maribel. And I'm also joined, you could say something, Pastor Harley. Hi, I'm Pastor Will Harley from St. John and Maribel. He is here, uh, and uh, the Lord has given him strength to persevere under his trial of kidney stones at the present moment. We are also joined with another individual who is the Lord is uh, Provided and kept up in strength, uh, Pastor Dave Endorf. He's yes, um, he's got one of his hands that is good. So tell us more about the other hand. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, you decided to uh, to cut yourself on the table saw instead of read the book from last week. That that was exactly what happened. I appreciated how in the podcast you you threw me under the bus for that. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> no, Will did. I've known to do that. I heard that. Yeah. And the worst part is I read the book, and and I liked a lot of it. And I thought we'd have that good discussion about the means of grace and sacramental worship, and and that part didn't happen. But um, <laughs> the discussion part or the discussion on what you wanted? I, I didn't get to be a part of it. I'm, I'm just, that's all I meant. I didn't get to be a part of it. I thought he meant that we didn't talk about the means of grace. And yeah, I, I thought our discussion was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be mean. I'm just really good at it. Um, <laughs> it's no, your strength. I, I just, it's my strength. Yeah. No, I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I kind of liked the, I liked the book, and we're actually thinking I'm actually thinking about using it for our um, Tuesday Bible study here at Brooklyn Park. Um, obviously, there's some caveats that you guys talked about, and yep. yeah, uh, and we but, had the author who who joined us on the podcast. He listened, so that was a <clears throat> surprise, uh, a good thing. So. Well, but that's um, what we're here to talk about today. No, it's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about um, more gospel. Yeah, graciousness. Right. We are looking at Matthew twenty-one to sixteen and Romans nine six to sixteen for today. This is the in the new lectionary was preached this past Sunday, and the old lectionary will be preached this coming Sunday. Um, and so, uh, since Pastor Harley was out. Uh, on Sunday, he had a retired pastor read or adapt uh, Pastor Harley's sermon on Sunday, but he did preach on Matthew 20, and Dave um, was able to preach, even though he only did it one-handed uh, at uh, Brooklyn Park Lutheran Church. Which is amazing that you can preach one-handed. One-handed, yeah. Right. Yeah. I got skills. You do have skills. So let's begin by reading uh, the Gospel lesson, uh, any of you gentlemen want to read, or would you like me to read? You have the you have the voice for podcast. No, I have the voice for print. So here we go. Indeed, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing to pay the workers a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. He also went out about the third hour and saw others standing unemployed in the marketplace. To these he said, you also go to my vineyard, and I will give you whatever is right. So they went. After he went out a sixth and sixth 
and the ninth hour and did the same thing. When he went out about the eleventh hour, he found others standing unemployed. He said to them, Why have you stood here all day unemployed? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He told them, You also go into the vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, starting with the last group and ending with the first. When those who were hired around the eleventh hour came, they each received a denarius. When those who were hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but they each received a denarius too. After they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were last worked one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have endured the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not make an agreement with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. I want to give the last one hired the same as I also gave to you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? In the same way, the last will be first and the first last. So, uh, Dave, you're up first. Talk to us about your sermon and uh, uh, explain how you went through the text and maybe some things you wish you could have covered more, but just because of the time, you, d- you couldn't do it. Um, so as I approached this, you know, the, the purpose of the, the parable is really to call out the, you know, the, the Pharisees and for being unloving, for, for not wanting people to be rewarded, for not wanting God to be generous, for, for being selfish. I want more. Um, and, and that's where that phrase, the, the last will be first and the, the first will be last, comes in. That you, know, you, you have these people who are a part of the kingdom of heaven. You know, and that's the context of the entire parable. But their work in the kingdom of heaven is not built on the foundation of the of of Christ and the apostles the way it should be. And, and because of that, um, you know, the the ones who, um, you know, you you have that description that Paul uses of. You know, the, the one will be saved, but it'll be like a person escaping out of a burning house. What they have done will burn down. Um, and, and so, you know, it was that point, you know, that's the, the preaching of the law. You know, if you're trying to, to work in the kingdom of heaven, and but your work is selfish, or if it's self-serving, or if it's unloving, you know, these are not works that last to eternity. These are works that are washed away in the blood of Christ. You know, you're still a part of the kingdom of heaven. You're still God's dearly loved child. You're still forgiven. But um, but there's a big warning there. You know, and that first warning is... Um, you know, these are all sinful, and, and sin warns against your soul. And then the, the second warning is, um, uh, you know, about falling away, you know. Um, and, and, and that's really where Jesus' concern is going. You know, he wants to call them to repentance, not just because... Uh, Hey, 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 look, you guys are being unselfish, or you guys are being selfish. And, uh, 
And that's a problem here, but it's a problem for eternity. And you're ruining your relationship with God. You're not generous the way the landowner is generous. And that separates you from God. That separates you from the landowner. Um, and uh, and then as we, we look at the the purpose of the parable and the timing of the parable, especially in the, the book of Matthew, we're right at the end where Jesus is entering that confrontational part of his ministry. You know, that, you know, certainly his calls to repentance are a part are partly because he cares about the people who are listening and he wants them to repent. But when we're talking about this specific call to repentance and, and this specific audience at the end of his ministry here on earth, he's setting up that final confrontation that's going to lead to his crucifixion and dying for the sins of the world. You know, where they're, they're going to look at Jesus who has just raised. And this is the part that always gets me about Holy Week is you have, um, you know, Palm Sunday where Jesus and the crowd coming from Bethany meet the crowd coming out of Jerusalem, you know, because Jesus had just raised, just recently raised Lazarus from the dead and, and everybody's shouting Hosanna to the, the son of David. And, and yet the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jews are going to say, crucify him, you know, and, and that's what Jesus is setting up here. Um, because this is God's generosity. This is God's love for us that he's doing all of this because um, he wants to be generous. He, he wants nothing more than to spend eternity with us. And, and he doesn't get anything out of it, but people who are unloving and, and selfish and um, complaining. And, and yet he goes through all of this work to wash us clean from our sins, to, to save us. And, and that's what he's doing here. Um, and and so as we, you know, that, then third use of the law. Um, and so as we live our lives in the kingdom of heaven, there are times when it's the, the heat of the day, when we're exhausted and we're tired, but we recognize what we get to do, you know, that we get to live in true righteousness and, and holiness and that we get to be what God has made us to be, that we get to uh, do the things we were created to do as believers and that that gives purpose and meaning to our lives and that um you know that's and that's not just for here on earth but that's for eternity as well and that's what gives us strength to get through all of these things is the greatness of you know god's plan of salvation and his love for us and how it plays out um so that yeah it's hard and it's difficult but you know 
Look at what he's done for us. Look at what we have. Look at his love and his graciousness. And he is far more generous and, and far more giving and, and caring than we could possibly ask or imagine. That is not the direction that I took my sermon. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> That's okay. So, yeah. Um, he focused on the generosity of the landowner, didn't he? Who? That it, Dave did. Yeah, absolutely he did. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying I didn't focus on the generosity, and I think that was part of it, but I, I kind of took it back. Um, I, I went back and I said, okay, where's the framework of the parable? And the framework of the parable is the direct question of the disciples. The disciples are worried because the, the rich young man had done everything except couldn't give up. And they said, well, we gave up everything. Um, what do we got? And, and the direct answer to that is this parable. And the parable is, is just this beautiful reminder of you have people in all avenues in the kingdom and they're working in on this side of heaven at, at all different times. And some of them are, are maybe coming in and they were the worst of sinners and they were the most horrible of people. And in that ninth hour, you know, they came in and, and, and they received and, my my whole sermon point was it's unfair because we view it unfair that I don't think any Christian would sit in the pew and think someone is undeserving of forgiveness. I don't think anybody in the pew would say that, but they're not, they're not deserving of as much or they're not deserving of, of the same position that I have um, the same, you know, uh, um, abilities that I'm going to be given and the prestige I'm going to be given um, in the kingdom of God, because I've been here for longer. I've been baptized. I've been living. I've been giving to the church. I've been, I've, you know, um, I had a line in the, in the sermon, which um, when I gave it to Pastor Bauman, I'm glad he preserved. And that was, you know, um, you know, I'm here every Sunday. Well, almost every Sunday. Well, some of the Sundays, <laughs> um, as you, you tracked it down, you know, does the, you know, I'm, but I'm present and they're not. And, and so I really, I really took it from the aspect of, you know, sometimes we're overly concerned with how much we're going to get in heaven compared to someone else. And, and that's the least of our concerns because the Lord is going to give equally and what is right to all. And, and what does he give? He gives the same. And it doesn't seem fair, but what's worse is when one who deserves nothing um, but only glory takes on our sin and he dies and he, he pays the penalty that we deserved. Um, so there was, uh, there was a, a, a point in the sermon that I, I really, I, I drew out, you know, uh, when you get what you deserve, it's justice. When you don't get what you deserve, that's mercy. And when, um, when you get what you don't deserve, that's grace. And, and so, um, just that beautiful building up of if we get what we deserve as sinners, that's, that's justice and it's mercy that you don't, but it's grace that you get something even greater when you didn't deserve it. Um, and then pastor Bauman threw in there, um, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense to, to really play out the, the definition of grace, which I thought was, a was just a, a good reminder for our people. So yeah, totally different. I mean, not that we didn't end in totally opposite arenas, um, but I think we approached it from different directions. Um, you know, you you kind of approached it from the 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 vehemence of those people around, right? 
and and saying they don't deserve, they don't get, um, we've done more work. And, and you then instead, um, I approached it more from, no, I think we're all in the same boat, which is both fine. So I, I would say, I think you did a better di- job contextually than I did with it, with, uh, and I, I think maybe I was too influenced by the, the Jonah old Testament passage with, um, yeah, the, the Ninevites and not wanting them to be saved. And well, and Jonah does a perfect job, doesn't he? Of, of bringing out that, um, that, the Christian side of, of a believer who looks at someone who has wronged them and said, I don't, I don't want, I, I don't think you were misplaced in that at all to, 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 to have that. But I, again, I, I wanted to keep it into the realm of this is an answer to, to Peter's question. Peter's worried about what am I going to get when, when we've put in all this effort. And the answer is we are all going to get the same and that's okay. Um, so I, I mean, this is the beauty of, of lectionary preaching because the beauty of lectionary preaching is you have a hundred different sermons, um, in one, in one text, which is good. And, and that's an important thing to be able to, to be able to pull out and say, I I'm using one of the other texts from the lectionary to help define and, and focus my sermon and sharpen the edge, um, in my sermon in a different part of the lectionary. And that's beautiful. So I, I have nothing against it. I would have learned at your feet this Sunday. That's because I wasn't preaching. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to to what I would have wanted to do better, um, I, I think for me it's explaining. It, and I think whenever you preach on a parable, it's always good to to make it clear how we interpret parables because there's so much bad biblical interpretation out there that you just kind of have to do it. feel like you kind of have to do it every time. And I I wish I did a better job of this, but you want to get that main point of comparison and, and stick to it. You know, that, that Jesus really here, here is, you know, calling people to repentance. And and that's what, that's what we want to get across. And we don't want to get too bogged down in the details because, you know, that's when you start saying things God's word isn't. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I struggled with in the text, and and I don't know if you struggled with it, um, Pastor Endorf, but the, 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 the leading comment from the, from what came before this uh, parable was, you know, Jesus said in verse 30 of, of 19, many are first who will be last and many who are last will be first. He didn't, he, he, so he, he kind of, and, and I struggled with that. I'm going to admit I struggled with that. Cause I'm like, okay, so he uses many at the end of 19 uh, chapter 19. And then he uses, he just, he gets many out of there. And in 16, he says in the same way, the last will be first, the first will be last. Um, and he doesn't say many anymore. And, and so I, I looked at that and I'm like, what does that mean? You know, I, I, I struggled and spent a lot of time before I wrote the sermon and may have probably more time than I should have going, what does that mean? What does the many mean? And, and why does he leave it out 
when he repeats the phrase right after it. I mean, because it's all part of the same conversation. Um, you know, and I was kind of wondering how much of it was part of the same conversation. The, the way Matthew stacks stuff up here at the end of the... Um, end of his gospel. But... Um, I do think you're right about this one, though. The, the I guess where I came down on it was, you know, what what we hear as pastors, I'm sure, because I'm sure you guys have heard it, is we got to get some of those new converts into the church because they're really gung ho about sharing the gospel, um, and uh, and, and they're not doing it because. You know, they, they want more people in the seats to make them feel better or they want to make the budget or they're just doing it because they love God and, and they want to share that message with other people. And and that's, you know, kind of the exact opposite of, you know, the, the attitude that Peter has of, you know, well, what am I going to get out of it? I've been following you for sure. You know, and and so to me, that's, you know, that's one of the applications I saw. They're the most obvious application I saw is, you know, you have these people who are coming in like the the prostitutes and the tax collectors who aren't. We've been working in the church. We've been faithful apostles who are just coming in and saying, I'm forgiving. You guys got to come and see what I got and and they're doing that work and and they're first in the kingdom because it's joyful it's motivated by love it's prompted by grace and 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 they're serving and that's what it means to be first in the kingdom and it's not it's not every new believer it's not every new convert um but it's many it's what we see uh Oh, that's a that's a fair explanation. Better than what I was thinking of as I told throughout throughout the week. I, I so much so that when I when I wrote the sermon, I'm like, I don't even know if I can focus on on that as much because I didn't come down on a on a satisfactory answer for myself as to you know what the difference is. I mean, in the in the first section, I look at it and say, okay, you know, there are those people who have been raised in the church and and they were baptized, they were confirmed and they fell away. And then there are those who aren't. And then there are those who come and they are gung ho about it. Like you said, and they stay and they are, uh, um, and they, they enter into heaven and there are some that don't, but then what do you do with it in the second time that it's given? Um, how do you approach that? And so I just kind of ignored it. And, (laughs) you know, and I think this is where as, uh, uh, Americans, as Westerners, you know, we we have that mindset of we want things to be logical and we want things to make sense, and that the 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 Jewish Eastern mindset of we want you to wrestle with the text. We don't necessarily want it to make sure. sense. We we want you to struggle with it. Is um, 
it is part of why we struggle with that. And I don't think that there's necessarily there. I'm going to try to say this without screwing up people's biblical interpretation, but too late. Um, there, there are a lot of treasures there, old and new. And I, I think as we grow and mature in faith, that's when you keep coming back to and saying, I get a lot out of this because now I understand it more. Now I can apply it better. And um, oh, I agree with you a hundred percent. I do feel that the first uh, last first inverse in the right before the Matthew is more of a warning. And the one at the end is more of, of a grace of a gospel promise. I feel it, it does. I like what you were saying, Dave, where it seems like it's two different two different thoughts but they are they are related you know the the rich young man was so close but then he fell away and Jesus is warning Peter don't focus on your efforts because if you start focus on that and less on Christ then you're you can shipwreck this wonderful faith that's begun in you through the work of the Holy Spirit and at the end the second parable it does seem like it's a more at the end of that the last first language is reminding us that everything we have is like both of you guys have said all because of grace. And this is a generous God who gives us these things and it's not based on what we do for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And and I think one of the things I struggled with in, in coming back to this was trying to keep that, keep the whole parable in the context of the kingdom of heaven is like, um, you know, that, that this is meant to be a description of the church. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And it's not the world is like, it's the kingdom of heaven is like, so you're talking to believers. So hopefully believers. Yeah. <clears throat> and then applying that to. Okay, and so this is the other thing I wish I had done better. Not to dominate the conversation, but um, but to apply this then to my congregation, you know, who are in a very different spot than, uh, you know, the the first century apostles, the the first century disciples, as they're listening at the feet of. Jesus, you know, how does this affect your life when I'm talking to a congregation where, um, you know, a, a good chunk of the congregation is in their 60s and, and 70s and 80s, and they're dealing with health problems. And, um, you know, how do you apply this to them when they're you know, in that stage of life, and they're not, you know, what do you want to say to them about working in the kingdom of heaven? And then you've got others who are working very hard, and they're tired, but, but they're sending, you know, a significant amount of money back to, to Liberia. And they're, it's not, you know, and it's a different form of working in the kingdom of heaven than we might take it. Um, you know, it's not giving to the the congregation, but it's absolutely God pleasing. Um, And so, 
Yeah, I, I just stuck my hand in a table saw, so I struggled with a lot. That's what I'm going with. Speaking of struggling, <clears throat> yeah, uh, let's. I took a different take on Matthew. Uh, yes, I did a different. I did different verses. So the, yes, obviously it's a different. I won't come with the same uh, conclusions, but I did focus in the gospel lesson. I gleaned in the sermon. I pulled it from the sermon. The idea of fairness of the landowner. So you guys are talking about uh, generosity and how it's not fair because it's it's certainly not what we deserve, and he is, is showing grace. But I was more in line thinking about how. The landowner made a promise, and he fulfilled that promise. So he promised the wage, and he fulfilled that wage. And that's where, that was the connection between the gospel, I felt, and Romans. And so Romans, like, I picked Romans because we were going through Romans in our Bible class, and then also youth group, we went through chapter 1 of Romans on, on Saturday. And so I thought, well, now is as good a time as any to preach on Romans. So we're going to look at Romans uh, 9, 6 to 16. This does not mean that God's word has failed because not all who are descended from Israel are really Israel, and not all who are descended from Abraham are really his children. On the contrary, your line of descent will be traced through Isaac. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are counted as his descendants. For this is what the promise said, I will arrive at the set time and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebekah also had children by one man, our forefather Isaac. Even before the twins were born or did anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might continue, not by works but because of him who calls us, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Esau I loved, but uh, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What will we, will we say then? Does this mean that God is unjust? Absolutely not. For God says to Moses, I will show mercy to whom I show mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it does not depend on human effort, desire or effort, but on God's mercy. So I began the sermon talking about fairness. And um, is it really fair that God sends some people to hell? Why doesn't God, he made them all, why doesn't he save them all? That was kind of the the objection to Christianity that I, I came out of the gate with, and how does this text address that question? And I began also talking about what does it mean to be fair? Is it, Are we looking for equal outcomes? Like today in our modern political arena, we're talking about the, the conversation is of equity. Everyone's got to arrive at the same destination. You work a little and you work a lot. You should both get paid the same. And uh, that isn't what... Uh, God is about. He is talking about this is the this is the promise that He has made. He has promised that He's going to be working through the means of grace to save. That His election is revealed through the means of grace being used. Um, and uh, so the I <clears throat> it was really a challenge to talk about this text because it is like right in the middle of the book of Romans, and it is Romans after all. But I, I sought to simplify it and just talk about it in terms of a spotlight where uh, God, because he, uh, he, he chose or he made a promise that Esau would serve Jacob. So therefore, the promise is like the spotlight. This is the reason why 
Jacob was chosen. He was, um, this, God promised it. And so in terms of Christians, we are, we know that we are the elect because of the means of grace, because we've been, the promise is there in the gospel and word and sacrament. And so, again, trying to explain it is really, it was really hard. It was really a challenge to talk about uh, this concept of election and Jacob and Esau with people who may not be uh, familiar with it. But keeping that spotlight in and saying, you, dear Christian, why is, and the law part was, why is it that we feel that because we are a Christian, because um, we know that God is merciful, then why is it that we get out of the spotlight? Why is it that we go back to the sins that we, we like to do and how we want to always be? We're always struggling with the sinner inside of us that wants to be outside of the spotlight, to be outside of God's mercy and go off and do our own thing and then expect God to be merciful. And, and then I would use the Esau and Jacob, where you're Jacob if you're in the spotlight, you're Esau if you're outside of it. And so a lot of the law section of if you think you can just go off and do your own thing and, and reject what God has said, it's the law part, then you are in Esau territory. On the flip side, I said, but you are recipients of God's mercy because you are hearing about it right now. You know that the spotlight is shining on you right now. God is showing you mercy right now by sending his son who lived a perfect life in a darkened world. He was always bright. He didn't have to be a recipient of God's mercy. And, and God took your darkness and put it on Christ and, and gave the light that is him and, and, and gave it to you. So the sermon theme was uh, God's mercy is according is fair according to his promise. And the encouragement at the end was continue to be in the means of grace because that's how you know uh, that God will be showing you mercy. Uh, continue to be in the means of grace because that's how you know um, that God has elected you. Even though I didn't, I don't think I used the word election. The entire text, the entire sermon, just because it's such a, <laughs> it's such a. Um, a con- it's like a to me it's like an electric wire concept where if, if people don't understand that when we talk about God's election we always have to keep it within the realm of his redemption uh within the realm of him saving us because if we just look at the the naked God choosing some to be saved it's it's just going to take us down to a rabbit hole that that the text doesn't take us the text is always pointing us back to the promise always pointing us back to uh, God's means of grace, pointing us back to Christ in that word. Yeah, <clears throat> that's an interesting, when you first started out your your explanation for your sermon, I'm like, man, you just decided to open up a can of worms that would take you a very long time to try to, to work your way out of. Um, because one of the things in that in that text and starting it up in Romans is you're jumping right in the middle of a conversation where we're really that that conversation is an example it is it is it is an example of god preserving the line of the savior as opposed to uh, or he's using the preservation of the line of the savior as a as a jumping point to say god also preserves you in mercy <laughs> and calls you in mercy um, and so he's using a, a physical example of saying i chose i chose jacob not because he was a perfect guy He's actually worse than Esau in some in some ways, um, 
but this is the promise that I had to preserve the line of the Savior. And so my promise of mercy to you, my promise of grace to you is, is also going to be fulfilled just as it was in this promise to fulfill the line of the Savior. And, and I think sometimes we look at that and we, we, we do get very, very confused. Um, so I give you a ton of, of um, credit in tackling that and trying to explain to your people, okay, he's going to use an example of the preservation of God's line <laughs> to the Savior to push forward the opportunity for us to understand what mercy is all about. <laughs> And, and what grace is all about um, and what promise is all about in our, in our life and the means of grace. So good job. Um, good job on that. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I think, I think the language is also one of those barriers that we have because in English, we're so used to having a comparative you know, like I loved Jacob more than I loved Esau. You know, we can say that so easily in English, but w- there's no comparative in Hebrew. And so you end up with this colloquial phrase of I loved one and I hated the other because there was no comparative. Um, and it shows up a couple of times in the Old Testament. And it, it it's not meant the way we might think it was meant. That Esau was condemned. Um, yeah. 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 And, and and it's not meant that God completely withdrew all of his favor from Esau or, or anything like that. Um because you can still see that in the Old Testament lessons where God does bless Esau and and takes care of him. But trying to explain that to a modern American of this is the Hebrew language barrier of you know, of what that phrase means is I kind of looked at the Romans lessons and I was like, no, I'm out. Um, well, some of us like a little bit more strain on the brain than, than others, but no, I, th- I think it is, you know, it's um, when you, yeah, you know, this is the struggle when you talk about um, election and you talk about predestination and you talk about, um, all of those harder, deeper topics that are are for the Christian and and for the hope and comfort of the Christian. How do you explain that in in a sermon that is um, you're kind of jumping right into the pool, right? <clears throat> and and these are truths, but they're you're kind of like these are truths. I wish we had an hour to talk about, and even maybe two hours or more to talk about in a Bible study over a, a course of time, because we need to build up to what is the point. Um, and you're going to do it in 20 minutes or less. And, and that is, um, that's, uh, um, one of the problems that I would foresee is that you could leave questions that were unintentional in its, in its process. I did appreciate the Hebrew phrase of Jacob. I loved Esau. I hated because it wasn't, I used it as an illustration to where do you find God's grace and mercy? Do you find it outside of his means of grace? No. I mean, where do you, where, where are you going to find the, 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 the ultimate love of God, the means of grace, that's where you're going to find it. And so that's what I felt that the, the zeitgeist of people saying, well, God loves everybody. So everyone should go to heaven. And, um, that was where that was how I addressed it. Where that's what the worldview that you guys are facing out there in the world, but the scripture tells us that we know the definite God's love for for you is found in 
the means of grace as he's proclaiming the good news of Jesus to you. And so that's why I liked that picture because it's, it's yes, God does. And it is true, Dave. It is true. God does. He, he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. You know, that is absolutely true. But for it's always taken to, a, to the nth degree where then the world says, well, if he, he sends rain, why doesn't he just give them heaven? You know, why doesn't he, why does he work outside? Why doesn't he work outside of the means of grace? And to, I liked the text because it illustrated that point of God is confining himself to his promise. And this is where you're going to find uh, his love and mercy in his ultimate form. Yeah. And I, and I think that's always the, the, the take home lesson you can ask the question, well, why doesn't he? Because he didn't. I mean, that's yeah. because that's because that's not the way he chose to work and, and why he chose to confine himself. Why did he confine himself to um, flesh and blood for you? Why didn't he just snap his fingers and, and magic all this in a way? Well, because he's just, right? Um, and a just God does just things. Um, and, and so you have... Yeah, you have just <clears throat> Romans is beautiful in that regard because it opens up the door to such great conversations on the character of God um and the character of his son and 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 how he works with us. Um so yeah, you did a great think, job. And I, I think what you just said, Will, shows how unjust society is. Because society's like, well, why can't we just ignore the law? Why can't we just get rid of it? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Let's throw that part out. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 they don't need, they don't have the faintest idea of what integrity means, you know. Why why does God have to be both just and the one who justifies? Because that's who He is. You know, He can't ignore Himself. You know, He He's not gonna He's not gonna deal with cognitive dissonance. You know, He can't deny Himself. That's, that's what I wanted word. to say. Um, but that's people will do day, that. People. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, and I, and I think I was just going to say, I, I, I just, you know, me and, and, and Dave, um, probably both Dave's probably by now know me, you know, racing to the sacraments is always, um, one of the things that I, I love to do because I think we downplay the sacraments unintentionally throughout our life, um, in general. And so having an entire sermon that is saying, yep, let's go back. <laughs> oh, by the way, sacraments. <laughs> Um, God's promise to you, the word and sacrament. Here you go. <clears throat> you, you got me on the, on that. So love it. I love it. I also like it that you struggled. That makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, uh, I mean, like, how do you preach on Romans without going, let's start at Romans chapter one, because how, how can you understand, like you said, we're right in the middle of Paul illustrating a point. And uh, let's, let's go through everything. And, and the hardening of the heart comes right after that. And, of course, I didn't talk anything about that. Uh, other, in terms, uh, I guess a little bit of, I did, is you know, trying to stay out, stray outside of God's means of grace and think that you're, you'll be fine, uh, that you can reject and... Um, and I did speak of the spotlight, not just in terms of God's mercy, but everything that, that is good from God, his compassion, his love, um, the ability to, to, to serve others and to serve him. Um, so, so, yeah. did you bring up the Reformed? Did I bring up the Reformed? 
<laughs> Did I rail against the reform? <clears throat> yeah. Uh I don't I don't I don't think so. I don't think there was there was no, wasn't time for that. Uh but it is truly a good text. There's always time for that. There's always time for it. <laughs> Pastor Ender, if you are a man of my own heart. <laughs> I I did do it in Bible class, that's for sure. Uh, as we're going through Romans chapter 1 about the the power of the gospel and why is it why is it so offensive like we explored with the kids why is the gospel so offensive and a lot of times the kids were just gravitating on the, well the law is offensive because we don't want to be told that we're a sinner and i'm like yes that's true but the question was the gospel why is the gospel offensive and and one of the points that they explored was the fact that the gospel means that it's not anything that you do you don't make a decision for christ it's not sure. your your walk with god that you should be looking back towards but his walk here on earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ for you. Right. And the, and this, the beauty of using the the means of grace is that, that something comes from outside of you <clears throat> and in a very physical way to, to guarantee you such great gifts. And that's sort of the answer, the, the, the kind of the question that we have that just scrolled over on the text, you know, how do you share the means of grace with the reformed? Because because the reformed don't have the, the use of the sacraments. Oh. So those are yeah. other things. Yeah. Well, and I remember Professor Calpine, the younger, back when when his father was still teaching. I had him for Western civilization and he said he said, guys, if you ever are having a rough time in the ministry and you really want people to to tell you, hey, that was a good sermon. You're doing a good job. He said, preach a sermon filled with good advice and third use of the law because people are going to love it. And and because the gospel is the offense, because the gospel is what they stumble over and and what they reject. And it didn't make any sense at the time because I was right there with the catechism students. You know, I don't want to be told what to do. I'm in charge of me. But, you know, in the ministry, yeah, it is the gospel that is the offense. It is the God, it is Christ who is the stumbling block. Who, who knew the Apostle Paul was right? Um, <laughs> yeah, who knew? You know? I don't know. The Holy Spirit just I, preserved all of his words for absolutely no reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and, but there are still times where that gets me. It's like, that's what offended you? That that that's why we're having problems is because you know, but I you know it's happened so many times in my ministry where people have been like, No, we want you to be harder. We want you to be But you know, you know, and and it's been my my experience that the law is um People are less offended by the law, even if you call them a sinner and you show them that they're a sinner by the law, they're less offended by the fact that that you would follow that up with there they need to be forgiven um and and i found that you can you can nail somebody with the law as long as you give them well now do this and it will make it better and they're like yeah i'm i'm i was offended that you said that about me but i i feel better that now i have a course of action that i can i can embody to find my way out but when you say to somebody you are this, and this is what you deserve. And oh, by the way, there is no way out for you. 
Um, so you need somebody to come in and help you. You need to ha- then there. That's the biggest offense. The biggest offense is is not the fact that you nailed them with the law, but the fact that you nailed them with the law without any repercussion or any escape of their own that they can they can come up with. See, and I, I would phrase, I would go with the the no repercussions part. You know that that you've got the end of Romans seven, where the good I I want to do I don't do, the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. You know Romans eight one. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then everybody wants to add a but there. But you have to keep do, trying harder. But you have to do more. But you have yeah. to recommit yourself. But you have yeah. to. Like, but I have to be in church more. Yeah, yeah. Paul doesn't. He, he he doesn't add anything like that. It, it's just, and here's the free victory from Christ. Everything else flows from that free victory, without an adversative, without a but or a qualifier or a. That's my little soapbox. Oh no, I, I, that's a perfect soapbox to be on when you're in the Book of Romans. Because that's pretty much Paul's soapbox from beginning to end. <clears throat> you know, he he paints you into a box that says you can't do it on your own. So guess what? Someone else will do it for you. And here's Jesus. So good job, Pastor Rudat. And good job, Pastor Endorf. And good job, Pastor Harley. Well, actually, you weren't there. Good job, Pastor Nauman, for preaching Pastor Harley's sermon. Yeah, and he Jesus did a good job. It. Yeah. And keeping that one good line he wrote. Nice work. <laughs> there was more. Uh, there was more good lines. Yeah, Most but it's funnier the way I phrased it. It is funnier the way you phrased it. That's true. That is true. I hope your hand feels better. I thanks. I hope Me your too. hand is. You can actually feel what's going on in your hand. Yeah. I don't know. Every time I feel what's going on in my hand, it hurts. So. <laughs> So what were you trying to build? Uh, a, a sieve to to get rocks out of the flower garden, or flower bed. Well, now you've learned your lesson. Nope. <laughs> Buy it, it's safer. <laughs> and cheaper. And probably yeah. cheaper, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've done the same thing where I'm like, I'm going to replace the hub. I'm going to replace the the brakes, pads, and the and all of that in the vehicle. And then you know, I end up wrecking it, so I have to have it towed. And then they have the you know the professionals put it in. Yeah, but it's the experience, it's the experience. right? It's the, it's the experience. It's the wisdom. It's the wisdom. The wisdom you learn as a sinner living in a sinful world that things don't always work out the way that they should. So, but God is still generous. Yeah, He's still showing mercy in Christ to us and to you. So, dear listener, uh, join us next week and join us this coming week as we review a book on Thursday on abortion, written by Mike Novotny. And also join us Wednesday if you'd like to, as we're going through Romans chapter one. We're continuing the book of Romans uh, in that Bible study tomorrow night at eight p.m. Uh, live or on demand whenever is convenient for you. Till then, thank you, brothers, and God's blessings on your ministry, your healing, and uh, your messages this coming Sunday. 
God's blessings and stay safe, Dave. You're, you're yes. the only one healthy.